The Solution Word with Pastor Adama Segbeji. Pastor Adama has a passion to uplift people and see the body of Christ excel. His aim, to bring hope to the hopeless and solution to the nations. In this message, you will learn What you don't know will kill you. What you don't know will destroy you. If you don't know something, that thing can destroy you. Tell with me, please, in your Bibles to the book of Colossians, chapter 2. I don't know, for this, for a long time now, I've just been stuck in the book of Colossians. I've just been reading it and listening to it, and I'm so much enjoying it. Colossians, chapter 2, from verse 13. Are you there? I read from verse 13 says that, and you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. I want you to underline that word. All trespasses. Having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us which was contrary to us and he has taken it out of the way nailing it to the cross please underline the word nailing it to the cross verse 15 it says having disarmed principalities and powers he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. And we are blessed by the reading of God's word. I want us to look at um, a study that I believe is vital to our walk with Christ because what you don't know will kill you. What you don't know will destroy you. If you don't know something, that thing can destroy you. So I want us to look at the teaching tonight that I have titled, Nailed to the Cross. Nailed to the Cross. The cross is the most important sacrifice that Jesus sacrifice for us as Christians. Without the cross, you and I are lost. Without the cross, the Bible says that we are of all men the most miserable. So the cross is very, very important. The cross reminds us of what he did for us. The cross reminds us of his sacrifice. The cross reminds us of Jesus' mission. The cross reminds us of Jesus' selflessness. His ability to go and die so that you and I will be made free. And that's why the enemy did everything possible so that he would not go to the cross. 
But without Jesus going to the cross, you and I will be lost. We won't be here today. So the cross is very important. That's why Jesus said, if any man wants to follow me, he must take up his cross and follow me. That means to take up your cross means you have to deny yourself. You have to deny yourself. You have to be willing to pay the price of greatness. There are a lot of people who want to be great in life, but who don't want to pay the price. One of the prices to pay if you want to be great is discipline, self-discipline. You have to learn to discipline yourself. Because if you don't discipline yourself and be focused, all kinds of things will be calling for your attention. So it's important for us to understand that Jesus Christ came here on earth to die for you and I so that we will be free. Now let's look at that scripture in detail. When you look at the verse 13, the Bible says that, and you being dead in your trespasses. So look at it carefully. In other words, what he's talking about here is that you and I are dead. We are not, we are not sensitive to sin anymore. Because he said we were what? Dead in our trespasses. The trespasses, they represent the sins that we committed when we were in the world. It says, and you've been dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. So that means your flesh was not circumcised. You were dead in it. Are you following me? I'm trusting God that when we finish, you'll have a better understanding of how to deal with sin or how to overcome sin. You know, a lot of people struggle with sin. And they say, oh, the devil made me do it. It was the devil. Or when you catch them doing what they are not supposed to do, they say, it's not what it looks like. <laughs> or it's not what you think. Are you following me? They say we have we are dead in our we were dead in our trespasses and the uncircumcision of our flesh. He said he has made alive together with him. Are you you see now? So before we can be made alive in Christ, we have to die to certain things. So he said we were dead in our trespasses, and because we were dead in our trespasses, now we have been made alive. In Jesus. So we die to sin and we are alive to righteousness. Do you see? You see, you have made, he has made alive together with you. So, so long as Jesus is alive, that means you are also alive. Because you are made alive together with him. With him. So, if you don't feel that you are alive, just look at the cross. Look at Jesus. 
Look at what he did for you and I 2,000 years ago. And when you look at that, you can understand that now you are made alive. Because the Bible says Jesus is sitting on the right-hand side of the Father, interceding on our behalf. He's interceding on our behalf. So we are alive in him. And not only that, he has forgiven us all our trespasses. All, not some. All. Do you see that? All your trespasses, all our trespasses has been forgiven. Not some. Notice that carefully. How many has been forgiven? All. All has been forgiven. All your trespasses. All my trespasses. All the sins we committed in the past, today, tomorrow, all is forgiven. He said, Pastor, but how do you know? Because God knew you before you, you were born. He said, before I formed you, I knew you. And he knew what you were going to do. You, have, did you notice that immediately Adam and Eve sinned, God put in place a remedy. He put in place a remedy so that man will be redeemed and restored back to his original position. So please understand that he has forgiven you all your trespasses. Oh, not some. I want you to get this in your spirit. Jesus has forgiven you all your sins. Those you committed yesterday, those who committed last year or 10 years ago, those you committed today. How many of you committed some sins today? Wow, we have a very holy church. There are no sinners today. No one seen today. Praise God. He said he has forgiven us all. All. All means what? All means all. Jesus has forgiven us all our trespasses. Verse 14. He said, having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us. So that means when we were in sin, there was a handwriting that was against us. There was a handwriting that was against us. In our present day, we call it blackmailed. You are blackmailed. When, when you hear things like your address has been blackmailed, it means it's been done without your knowledge. Your name has been blacklisted. So whatever you do trying to get a credit, you don't get it. Because it has been blacklisted. That's what the devil did. That's what the enemy did. But when Jesus <laughs> was on the cross, what he actually did was he wiped out 
everything. Everything. Every handwriting of the wicked one concerning you, concerning your children, concerning your family, concerning generations yet unborn, Jesus wiped them all away. All, not some. He used the blood, which was the eraser, to wipe away the stain, to wipe away the sin. It's all wiped off. All is being wiped off. Not some, please hear this. All has been wiped away. He said, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. So that means this handwriting of the enemy was against you. Against your family, against your destiny, against everything that you stand for. Against. Doesn't want you to progress in life. But what Jesus did was he wiped it all off. Because this handwriting was contrary to us. In other words, it was an opposing force. And I love what, I love what he says. He said, and he has taken it out of the way. So that means these things were preventing you from moving forward. They were preventing your Christian walk from bearing fruit, from being fruitful. But what he did was he moved them from the way. He cleared the way for you. He made the crooked path straight. So now you can walk with boldness, with confidence on that path, rejoicing. Are you following me? This is a very important teaching. He moved every obstacle. So that means you no longer have an excuse. He's moved how many obstacles? All. He's cleared the way for you so now you can walk freely. The path is cleared. The way has been made clear for you. He has taken it out of the way. And look at what he did. He didn't only take it out. The next thing the Bible says that having nailed it to the cross. I love that. You see, he took it from your path and he nailed it to the cross. <laughs> he nailed it to the cross. Isn't, isn't God good? He didn't just remove those things from your path. He intentionally nailed it to the cross so those things will not fall back onto your path to be able to grow in Christ. To be able to grow in the things of God. He's nailed it to the cross. The question is, what are the things that he's nailed to the cross? Laziness. He's nailed to the cross. You see, some people are so lazy when it comes to the serving of God, they give all kinds of excuses. Have you seen such Christians before? Are you one of them? Do you give excuses? 
Oh, Pastor, I have a backache. My mouth, my lips. Lazy. When you ask them, why were you not in church? Why have you not been in church? I prayed in my house. God is everywhere. That's true. God is everywhere. But the same God who is everywhere says, don't forsake the assembly, the gathering. He's the same God who is everywhere. He said, don't forsake you and God who is wiser. Now, don't say, oh, I, 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 I pray in my house. No. There's an allocated place for us to gather and pray. The Bible says in the book of Acts that the disciples, the apostles, they went and gathered in the appointed place with one accord and they prayed. You can't tell me that being employed wherever you're working and tomorrow you decide not to go to work and your boss asks you, why didn't you come to work today? And said, today I decided to work at home or to work from home. <laughs> I don't know, not everybody can just work from home. We'll all be paid and we can even work from our bed, just sleep. Are you following me? So laziness is one of those things that he has nailed to the cross. Excuses. Excuses that will not make you grow. You will not grow in the things of God when you give excuses. I always say that excuses are platforms for failures. Every time you give an excuse... You are telling me and telling God that you want to fail. Do you know people can give all kinds of excuses? Oh, it's cold today. It's raining. It's freezing. But you go through this freezing, raining, you go and watch your favorite football team. You pay for a season ticket. And you go and watch. Even if the team is not doing well, you are still going and watching and supporting. That team is always losing. But you have given everything to that team, that losing team. Why don't you join the winning team? Laziness. Excuses. The other thing he's nailed to the cross is sin. Some people's sin is gossiping. They just gossip. Everywhere they are, gossip. They are known for gossiping. He's nailed it to the cross. Some people's mouth can just stay quiet. They have to gossip about everything. He's nailed it to the cross. So when you feel like gossiping, just remember the cross. It's amazing that people can be in church and even gossip in the church. Right in the church, in front of the pastor. 
They gossip about the pastor's wife or the pastor's shoe. The pastor used to wear shoes. Now he's changed. He's wearing t-shirt. Is that what you came to the church for? Do you have to gossip about that? He's been wearing the same blue shoe every month. He wears the same shirt every day. Is that what you're here for? Oh, I saw the pastor. He was walking. He's walking. Hey, have you heard? I went in the bus and went. I think it was Monday. Yeah, Monday. For the first time. I've decided just to change a few things around me. So on Monday, I went on the bus. For the first time, seriously, in Crawley, since I've been in Crawley, I think a good, what, six years, seven years? For the first time, I was telling the bus driver where I'm going, but I don't know whether that bus goes there. <laughs> and then he said, but you know, what you're, you know where you're going. I said, well, it's my first time going on the bus. Someone was asking me, where are you going? I said, I'm going here. And then when we got to a certain place, the person said, this is where you need to get off. <laughs> I haven't been on the, I don't even know the bus route. So if somebody sees me on the bus, they say, oh, the pastor now goes on the bus. Gossip. I just decided to go on the bus. These days, I just like to walk to the office. I just, I just want to walk to the office. And somebody will say, ah, we've seen him. He's now walking. The walking pastor. <laughs> Headline news. Are you not happy that the pastor has over five branches? He's walking in humility and he's still working. That's a blessing. He doesn't have bodyguards around him. I know some churches, one, only one branch, they have armor bearers. Do you know what an armor bearer is? You know, they have armor bearers. Three of them, they have four prayer warriors. They have five bodyguards. Only one branch, one small little branch. And they walk about as if they are, no, in simplicity. Five branches, but I'm still walking. Humility. But somebody will use that as a topic for gossip. They say, hey, maybe because I came to church and I didn't give my tithe. So the pastor now is walking thinking that I live on your tithe. Isn't it sad? He said, let's go and see. Do you know some people come to the church just to see if the church will go on or not? There are some people like that. There are some people who just come into your life just to see will it go on or will it not go on? They are the far to see people. They are the Pharisees. 
But the Bible says that he nailed it to the cross. All this gossiping you've been doing, we've preached about it, we've given you practical solutions to help you, but you are still gossiping. I told you, people who gossip will put them into a ministry in this church. And that is the ministry of evangelism. To gossip about Jesus. How many gossipers do we have in the church? Anyone? We don't have any. We need more people in the evangelism team though. To gossip about Jesus. He nailed all these things to the cross. What are the things he's nailed to the cross? Swearing. Christians who swear. He's nailed it to the cross. All these things have been nailed to the cross. So that means you have to stop swearing. How many of you swear here? I just want to know. I just want to see the statistics. None. None. Wow, this is a very holy church. You don't swear even in your mind. How many of you swear in your mind? How many of you have stolen something before? It's thief. You've stolen something before. Let me see by hand. See, you've, some of you have stolen your mother's fish in the pot. I said before. <laughs> How many of you have lied before? We have a lot of liars in the church. How many of you have committed fornication before? Now all hands are down. You see? Jesus, can you see the liars in the church? Jesus said if you look at a man or a woman lastfully, you have committed the act already. Have you? No? Never? Have you? Are you sure? Wow. What a blessing. The Bible says he has nailed it to the cross. He's nailed all these things to the cross. Sickness, weaknesses, poverty, nailed to the cross. Name them. Depression, nailed to the cross. Frustration, Nailed to the cross. Anger issues. Nailed to the cross. Name them. Fighting everyone. All these things has been nailed. Jesus has nailed them to the cross. So you no longer have an excuse to say, I still have anger problem. Diabetes. Nailed to the cross. Hypertension. Nailed to the cross. All these things, Jesus nailed them to the cross. Verse 15. The Bible says that having, I love this. Colossians chapter 2 verse 15. It said, having disarmed principalities and powers. Disarmed. Do you know what it means to disarm someone? To take away their power. That means they had, they had a weapon. 
and, and the conqueror was able to disarm them. He said, having disarmed principalities and powers, he disarmed them. So that means the devil doesn't have anything against you any longer. If he comes, he doesn't have any weapon. And let me tell you, the devil's number one weapon is accusation. The devil's number one weapon is what? Accusation. He wants to accuse you. He wants to accuse you. The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. But you must not allow him. When he comes with his accusation, tell him, Colossians 2.15, Jesus has disarmed you. Your accusation doesn't stand. Your accusation doesn't hold. When he looked at you and he said, ah, you used, to, you used to be at the nightclub. Yeah, tell him, used to. I used to. I am now a new creature in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God. He said, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made, I love this, he made public spectacle of them. He didn't do it secretly. He didn't do this privately. He did it publicly so that everybody can record this. It's a public history. Jesus disarmed the enemy publicly. He disarmed the devil publicly. He wants you and I to know that this victory was won publicly, not in privacy. And in this public spectacle, you and I were there. Oh, I love this. We were there. We saw it happening. We saw it happening. We saw him take the title belt, belt from the devil. On the third day after he died and he rose up triumphantly, the Bible says that he went and took the keys. He said, now I have the keys of life. And he has given you and I the keys. He did it publicly. When he was doing this, you and I, we were there. We witnessed it. We saw it happening. So when the devil comes with any trick, tell the devil, but I was there. I saw it happening. I saw it happening. I saw you being defeated publicly. I saw Jesus overcome you publicly. You were there. You were there. Remember the Bible says that we are in Christ. We are in Christ. So when this, this battle was going on, you and I was there. He made a public spectacle of them. Not of one, of them, all of them. He defeated all of them. He didn't leave one of them for them to say, Jesus couldn't conquer me. He conquered all of them. He made it public. It's public humiliation. He humiliated them publicly. So if the devil comes with a sickness of pain, you tell the devil, how? Oh, I was there 2,000 years ago. And the date was X, this date, 2,000 years ago. On the resurrection Sunday, Jesus rose up triumphantly. I saw it happening. Death could not hold him down. 
He's risen. He's alive. He's lifted. The Bible says that he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Oh, Lord God, I thank you for Jesus. I don't know about you, but I thank God for Jesus. That a fight that I'm supposed to fight, he took the fight and he fought it on my behalf. And he said, come and see. Come and be a witness of this fight. Come and look at how I defeat the devil. How many of you remember what Jesus told Peter? Jesus said to Peter, Peter, oh Peter, oh Peter, the enemy, the devil, want to save you, but I have prayed for you. <laughs> he said, I have prayed for you. He said, I see the enemy fall like lightning. He's defeated. You see, a lot of Christians give the devil too much power. Everything we say is the devil. The devil. Pastor, the devil. No, no, no. When was the last time you heard me say the devil? No, no, no. He's defeated. He's defeated. He's defeated. The devil uses all kinds of things to put fear and intimidation in our hearts. He's defeated. He said, Pastor, even these days you can't trust the airlines, you can't trust the pilot. But when you are in that plane, no devil, every pilot's mind will be sound. They cannot crash the plane. Once you are in it, Jesus is in that plane. I'll tell you. I said, the day I caught, you know, when, when I used to fly, I used to be very scared. I used to be very scared when I used to fly. As at the time we were in Ghana and that plane was making some funny businesses and I used to be scared. But I was reading the word and I realized that even Paul had shipwrecks. But during the shipwreck, he stood up and told the people in the shipwreck, he said, men and brethren, know of a surety, an angel appeared to me last night and he said, no life shall be lost. He said, the ship can crash, but no life. So when you enter into that plane, when you enter into that car, no matter what happened, no life because of you, no life will be lost. So you fly with confidence. They can be somewhere and making divinations and enchantments. People are saying, oh, you know, you go and come safely. You will go and come back, what? Safely. In the air, the Bible says that he causes his angels charge over you. When you enter into that plane, he is, he is carrying that plane in his wings. No devil can. He, he made it. So don't allow the devil to put fear in you. No, don't allow him. I know I'm going to Germany on Monday. The devil will be saying, uh, uh, I'm going. I'm taking the gospel to the ends of the world. Preaching the gospel. 
And by the time we come back, lives will be saved. I'm telling you, lives will be saved. And then on, on Wednesday, we are back. On Thursday, we begin the Easter convention. It will be glorious. Doing the will of the master. If it means certain places, I have to go on the canoe, I'm going. If I have to go on a bicycle, I'm going. If I have to walk, I'm going. If I have to go on the plane, baby, don't be worried. I'm coming back. I'm coming back, baby. I'm coming back. We have more churches to plant. As a matter of fact, on the 3rd of May, we are starting a new branch. <laughs> oh, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. We are starting a new branch. We have to take this gospel to the ends of the earth. And we are starting a new branch in Germany. And very soon in France. And then in Belgium. And then in Switzerland. And then in Australia. And then in Zimbabwe. Ah, Jesus. This, this, this is an exciting time. I don't know about you, but I'm excited. It's a privilege to work for the Lord. It's a privilege, you know, to serve the Lord. To serve him with all your heart. Let's look at this scripture in, in the Message Bible and then we'll close. Colossians chapter 2 verse 13. It says, when you were stuck in your old sin, dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. So you see, when you are in sin, you are not capable of responding to what? To God, to God. That's why I just love being in the house of God. I love the things of God. You know, you can have, you can have a calling of God over your life. But if you spend most of your time in the night clubs, you miss that calling. You know that. Yeah. I know people who came to this church and I saw God's calling over their lives. And they even told me that God has called me. But today they are nowhere to be found. They are working in bars and in restaurants. So when you have a calling of God over your life, where you are, quickens the calling. So if you are among believers, that calling will be quickened. But if you are among people who are night clubbing, you hardly hear the voice of God. I hope you know that. Like Eli and Samuel. Samuel heard the voice of God. Isn't it? Samuel heard the voice of God. Because he was in the house of God, Eli was training him to know how to hear the voice of God. So when the calling came, Eli helped him to respond to the calling because he was in the house of God. Can you imagine someone was in a nightclub? Will he be able to hear God? No, you can't. So you have to understand that when, when you are in sin, you find it difficult to hear God. 
it's difficult to hear God. He said, when you were stuck in your old self, dead, sin, dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. And that's the truth. So that means even when God calls you, you don't hear him, you don't know his voice because you are incapable. You are incapable of responding to the call. But you see, when you're in the house of God, when the call comes, you hear him quickly and easily. You are able to know his voice. You are able to identify his voice that this is the voice of God. As your shepherd, if I speak, you are able to identify my voice. How did that happen? Because you have been in the house constantly to hear me so you know my voice. So even if you go to Zanzibar today and you hear my voice on a radio station, you know that this is my pastor. This is my man of God. Because you have developed that close proximity relationship with him. And many people are not capable to respond to the call of God, not because God hasn't called them. God has called them, but it's because they are at the wrong place. For instance, if you belong to this church, you know our vision. Our vision is planting churches. You understand? So when you are in this house, even for a year, you become capable of leading a branch. You become capable. You begin to hear his voice. And you begin to respond to his voice. The, the, the cry of souls does something to your heart. You want to be a soul winner. We are not against prosperity, but when you come to this church, we preach, seek first the kingdom of God. That's what we seek first. Once we seek first the kingdom, the rest follows. So our, prior, our priority, our focus is the kingdom of God. So he said, when you were stuck in your old sin, dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. He said, God brought you alive right along with Christ. Think of it. All sins is forgiven. Not some. All. So live here today for the rest of your life knowing that all sin is forgiven. You have dominion over sin. You have dominion over sin. Think right. Know that you have dominion over sin. Verse 14, it says that the slate wiped clean. I love that. The slate is wiped what? Clean. That old arrest warrant is cancelled and nailed to Christ's cross. The old arrest warrant. You know that arrest warrant was given by the devil? The Bible says that we became slave to him. Because he had the power. The day Adam and Eve relinquished that authority to him, he had the power. But when Jesus came, the arrest warrant was canceled. <laughs> Every arrest warrant that has been standing against you spiritually 
is canceled. Every arrest warrant is canceled. So you can no longer be arrested because Jesus Christ canceled it and not only that, he nailed it to the cross. Verse 15, finally, the Bible says that he stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority. Sham authority. Now, when you hear that word sham, sham authority means faked authority. They pretend to have authority, but that authority is not real. Have you heard of sham marriage before? It means it's marriage, but it's not real. The the purpose is to deceive. It's fake. It looks like marriage, but it's not. It's a sham marriage. It says, Jesus, Jesus, he stripped all the spiritual tyrants. In other words, all the spiritual dictators, the devil, in the universe of their sham authority. Their fake authority at the cross and marched them naked through the streets. Wow. So if the devil comes to you, point him to Colossians 2.15. My master, Jesus, he marched you naked on the street publicly. So you have no power. He has no power over you. He has no power over your family. He has no power over your marriage. He has no power over your destiny. Know that you are an authority in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. I want you to understand that Jesus has nailed it all to the cross. You are free. You are liberated. You are a winner. You are not a loser. In Jesus' name. Amen. Did you receive it? Thank you so much for taking time to listen to The Solution Word by Pastor Adama Segbeji. For prayer or further details, please call us on 01293-885000. Or why not visit us this Sunday at 10 a.m. at Solution International Christian Center, Barnfield Road, Northgate, Crawley, RH10 8HQ. Your experience at Solution Center is sure to be a time of great blessing. Solution International Christian Center, bringing hope to the hopeless and solution to the nations.